0: I'm going to start with a, a, a verse that you, you probably all know. It's not going to go up on the screen because I've just thought of saying this right now. But in uh, 2 Peter, he says this, You have been given everything you need for life and godliness. You have been given everything you need for life and godliness. That's 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. You have been given everything you need for life and godliness. So what's your problem? That single verse alone tells us that we have everything we need to thrive in this life and to walk right, to walk holy with our God. And, and sometimes we skim these verses and say, oh, that's a great verse. I'll memorize that one. But the implications of that verse are absolutely huge. And I don't think we grasp the, how, how big what God has given us is. And that, that's kind of my starting point today, in that everything you need for ev- every situation in life, uh, every need, every circumstance has already been given. It's already been granted. However, you can have money in your bank account and it do you no good at all because you've forgotten the PIN number or don't know how to make a withdrawal. And that's where I believe our problem is. We don't know how to make the withdrawals. And and that's why sometimes we see when we remember the PIN number and sometimes we don't. And so it's that what I I want to concentrate on because I, I think very few Christians understand how to make withdrawals and because of that they don't pursue it they don't pursue the more of God we we settle for a level that's down here when God is calling us up to something that's up here and and we we let things uh, discourage us rather than finding reasons to be encouraged and so what are we going to do over these 40 days or so is to look at what God has to say about this and how to believe these things and see them manifest in our life. Because the kingdom works by faith. It works by believing. You would would think it's easy. You see, God's done the really difficult part of providing everything that you need for life and godliness. All we have to do is believe him. So we get the easy part and we struggle with it because we don't know how belief works and we don't know how to actually believe. It's all right somebody saying, well, have more faith, but like how? How? Where, where, do you, where does that come from? How, how do you understand it? And faith comes as your mind gets renewed. So I'm going to talk about that this morning. And... Here's the thing, one of the things that I find when I talk to other pastors and Christians who've been around a long time who kind of don't see anything of the kingdom manifesting in terms of the miraculous or the supernatural or or encounters with God or, or, or all the rest of that stuff, one of the things that I find is that we have a pride that won't let us go there because we won't admit that we're the issue. And when it comes to the things of the kingdom, we're the issue. Because all God's asking us to do is to believe him, to take him as word, to trust him, and to act on the basis that we trust him. And so, the, the, you know, one of the, the biggest reasons why we don't see, you know, I'll, I'll own up to this because I, I think this is really important you hear this. One of the biggest reasons we don't see more of the miraculous through this church is me has to be me because i'm i'm the one that's got responsible for doing most of the teaching so i i have to work on my faith and i have to be willing to make any adjustments that are necessary to see more and, and we all need to own up to that instead of as getting uh, kind of entrenched that we we you know how, how can you say I haven't got this? Or how can you say that, you, uh, you know, I'm not believing God? Well, I'm not saying that. But the Bible says that if we believe God, he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. So somehow I have to get those two to work together. I have to, to get to understand what it is about what I'm thinking and how I'm going about things that I'm not accessing all of my life and godliness entitlement. You know, we have, we have rights that are paid for by Jesus Christ, and we need to know how to access them. I'm kind of trying to be honest with you. Is this all right? Yeah? yeah? And so Jesus said this. He said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yeah. Another big statement, isn't it? You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How many of you want to be free of stuff? Yes. Yeah? How many of you have got free of stuff and don't want to go back? Yeah. So you need to know the truth. And that's one of those verses that most Christians who've been around for two, three years know. You've seen it. It's been on a poster that you've had on your wall or you've seen it in a magazine or something. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. However, that's not the verse. That's not what it says. Here's what Jesus said. If you abide in my word and my words abide in you, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, we can have an intellectual knowing of the truth. And I kind of guess that's where a lot of us are. That's kind of where I struggle, where I am myself. I have an intellectual knowing of the truth. But it doesn't dwell within me, within my heart, because what goes on in my head doesn't always line up to what God says is the truth and and to to grow into that, we need to let God's words abide in our heart. and uh, here's what let me make one of these big statements up front: If you don't change the way you believe, you will never see anything you aren't seeing. If you don't change your what you believe you will never see anything you aren't already seeing. And here's where I get to with that challenge. This is my challenge to me. If if what Jesus said is true, which it is, then until I am walking like the disciples walked and seeing what the disciples saw, something needs to change. My theology is wrong to the extent that I am not seeing what the disciples saw. I don't mean my intellectual theology, I mean my heart belief theology. My my belief about God, what he does, how he works in my life, how he relates to me. Something's gone wrong and it doesn't get fixed until I see what the disciples saw. So whenever we think we've got everything nailed, I, I go back and say, but I'm still not seeing everything the disciples saw with the consistency they saw. And you know, like I, I gave this uh, testimony, I read it out two, three weeks ago, about this uh, lady that we, uh, we prayed for and she was blind in one eye and she recovered her sight. Do you remember, if you were here, you remember me reading um, the, the uh, message out that she sent me. And, and her sight came back. And Now I have no idea what that, that feels like, but I want to see that every time I pray for a yes. blind person to see. Because yes. everybody that came to Jesus and everybody that came to the disciples got healed. Yes. So until I see that, there's something wrong in my processing going on inside. Because honestly, when you, pick those, when you look at those disciples, you would not have picked those 12. In the same way, you would not have picked us if you were going out like for highly skilled yes. people. You know, that amazing whatever's... But they were able to do that because they had faith in Jesus. And, and that got processed at the heart level rather than just the head level. So we have to change our beliefs in order to see things we aren't already seeing. And here's where we start. Here's a foundation. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. You've only got two verses this morning. So, you know, like, if you, if you, want, if you want to... Um, Really know what I was talking about this morning? It's John eight thirty one and thirty two, and Ephesians one verse three. I, actually, I might have one more verse. I might have cheated you. I might have three verses. Um, let's 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 have a let's have a read Ephesians chapter one verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. Right, okay. Let me ask you some really basic questions. How, how do you feel like doing some work this morning? Yeah? Blessed be the God and Father, our Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. What tense is that? Past tense. So it's something that's done. Something that is already done. So what has Jesus already done? He's already blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Where is it? Heavenly places. And where are they? In Christ Jesus. How did he achieve it? In Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. So what we need to know is that what we're actually trying to place our trust and confidence in is a finished work. It's something that's already done. Your salvation is a finished work. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, but you don't receive that finished work unless until you put your faith in it. And most, you know, all of us, I think, probably in this room, have already done that. If you haven't, you should do it this morning. Yeah. However. Jesus died Everybody sins. That's why when you put your faith in it, it automatically happens. It can't not happen because Jesus paid for them 2,000 years ago. We find it easy to believe that, but we find it much harder to believe the rest of the package of the every spiritual blessing and everything you need for life and godliness. And so we, salvation is a finished work, and in exactly the same way, healing is a finished work. Provision is a finished work. Blessing is a finished work. Victory from oppression and persecution and the ability to overcome difficult circumstances and come out out the other side stronger than you went into it, that's already done. So that provision is paid for by Jesus. So if it's already done, if it's already deposited, deposited, like money in your bank account, what is it that you need to do to make a withdrawal? What is it you need to do to access that and see it operate in your life? Now, here's the point. You are not trying to get God to do anything. Because you've just said that yourselves. If this is already finished, if this is already done, you are not kind to get God to do anything. So most of us, or a lot of believers, when we pray, you, you can hear them pray and, and they, they will start out and they will go, Oh God, God, Let, let's just imagine for a moment that um, Roger's in a, a desperate situation. He's got, you know, he, he's, he's not well, the, his bank account's empty, um, he's not doing great with Olive and all the rest of it. And 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 sadly, he's still a Wolves supporter. Nobody <laughs> has delivered him of that yet. And and this is how how prayer comes if we don't understand that we are not trying to get God to do something. Father, I just I just pray for Holly. Uh, Holly, yeah, I pray for Holly as well. She she needs some help. And I pray for Roger. Roger. And I just thank you for Roger. I thank you that he's such a wonderful man. I thank you that he, he puts the chairs out on a Sunday morning. And, and I thank you that he's always faithful. He turns up on time. I thank you that he's here every week. And God, we really, really would struggle without him. And, and you know all these difficult things he's going through. God, I just bring to Roger before you now. And I'm asking you to move in his life. I'm asking you to, to do things in his life. Like, like I'm asking you, God, to fix this, this sickness. And God, why will Will you, look, God, if you loved Roger like we loved Roger, you do something about this, God. And when you say it like that, you go, well, that's stupid, isn't it, that we pray like that? But we pray like that and we storm the heavenlies trying to get God to move. And he's saying, I'm asking you to believe what I have already done and withdraw it. That's, you know where this word ministry in the Bible I've gone off topic now, so we're good. We're good. We're in the flow. This word ministry in the Bible, do you know what it means? It means to release the kingdom, the life of God, to make withdrawals and apply them to somebody else. It does not mean turning up on a Sunday morning... I'm being part of Welcome Team. That's great. That's wonderful. I love everybody who does things and volunteers things. You should all do things. You should all volunteer for things. That's not my point. That's not ministry. The way the Bible takes it... You know, some people have this incredible aspiration that at some point in their life they want to go into ministry. Well, start it today. Every single one of us go into ministry by withdrawing from the the things that Jesus has done and applying them to somebody's life. That's ministry. You know, when he said, I've given you apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists as a gift to equip the saints for the works of ministry till we all reach the full stature of Christ. What's he saying? I want an army of little Jesuses walking around dispensing the power and life of the kingdom, the works of ministry. He's not talking about being a minister in a church. We've got to understand this. I'm not knocking church. Church is fantastic, but that's not what that verse is saying and that's what we reduce it to. People go, I want to go into ministry. Well, do it. Well, you know, I need to do this. I need to train for three years to go into ministry. No, you don't. You don't need to do that. You need to train for three years to be confused about your theology. Ministry is about releasing the life of the kingdom and the power of the kingdom. And and we've got to make these mind shifts. Otherwise... We'll, we'll always be disqualified. Do you see what I'm saying? We'll always be disqualifying ourselves, thinking, well, I'm not, I, I'm not qualified to minister. And every single person in this room, if they are a believer, are qualified to minister because you are qualified by the blood of Jesus to dispense the life of Jesus to in every you encounter. Right, it's time to make some mind shifts. Good. I'm even getting smiles from Bucky this morning. This is great. So the Christian life is not a process of getting from God. It's it's a process of renewing your mind to think like God. They're two very different things. It's not a process of getting from God. It's a process of renewing our mind to think like God. And when we think like God, we will automatically be... Become dispensers of the life of God and ministers of the kingdom, seeing the power of God working people's lives. You know, a lot of us, and me included, I'm praying for just a massive revival to sweep this land, but I don't think a massive revival that's going to sweep this land has anything to do with the church having great services. I think a massive revival that sweeps this land is a waking up of believers to the power of Christ that already dwells within them. And that's what I believe that God's already started at a really underground grassroots level. And that is going to grow and grow. That is the coming revival. The coming revival is not church meetings. The coming revival is the power of God for everyone through everyone. Amen? Amen. Good. We're getting there. Now, here's the thing. Renewing your mind is a process. You don't get saved on day one. And on day two, you know everything. You have the potential to think like God because the spirit of Christ has come in with, within you. But your mind, all those belief systems, all those things you've thought before, all those ways you've gone about things, all the stuff that you've absorbed all, throughout all the rest of your life, it needs changing. And it is a difficult thing. While you're trying to change it, the world is bombarding you with the same stuff it did for all your life before you became a believer. So you've got an uphill battle. That's why we find it sometimes difficult to step into everything that God has. But here's what we can do. We can get, step into more and more and more each day as we feed ourselves and we let God renew our minds. So we have to be careful what we're thinking about and careful what we're listening to. Because if we're listening to the wrong stuff, we'll start putting ourselves backwards instead of forwards. You know I, I understand why why we do things. Like you could be really concerned about the, the politics of the country, and we haven't got a prime minister, and what's going to happen with Brexit, and what's going to happen to the economy, and and all these sort of things. And and wherever you go, if you look at it on your, your mobile or Facebook or TV or newspapers. And don't tell me you don't read newspapers, because you do, because you walk past newsstand and glance at them, even if you don't be bothered to buy them. And and we see all these things, and that's what we're feeding ourselves on. This is what God says. I'm your provider, and you are blessed, and I will look after you. That's all that matters to you, but yet all this stuff comes at us. And so we need to learn how to renew our mind. Here's what renewing your mind is. I want to give you a definition of it. I'm going to read it so that I don't mess it up. Because when I'm excited, I mess things up, okay? I think it might go on the screen. Renewing the mind is the exchanging of your thoughts, your beliefs, and your opinions for God's thoughts, God's beliefs, and God's opinions. That is your lifelong destiny. Because the more we think like God, The more we believe like God, and the more we take on board God's opinions, the more we will start to look like Jesus. The more we look like God. Principle number one. You cannot renew your mind without the word of God. So the word of God is vital in this life. And because of all this stuff, this bombardment, I need to fill my mind with the word until my thoughts start to take on the same shape as God's thoughts, which are written down in his word. You know, this is how I start, how I've been thinking for quite a long time. If I look at something in scripture and... And I'm not seeing it in my life or I'm thinking differently to it. Then I've realized I'm not going to change the word of God. Because sadly they won't let me print my own version of the Bible. God's word is God's word and he's not changing because he's the same yesterday and forever and he says he watches over his word to keep it. And he said he's given his word authority above even the authority of his own throne. And if, he ever break, and, and if he ever breaks his word, the whole universe disintegrates because he upholds it by the power of his word. That's how God puts a premium on his word. And so I realise that I'm not going to be able to change God's word to, fit, to match what I think. Or even to say what I would like it to say. So I'm going to have to allow the word of God to change what I think. Because his word ain't budging. So I've got a choice. Do I allow the word of God to change what I think or do I just stay where I am? And if I stay where I am, I'll only ever see what I'm seeing. But actually, it's worse than that, isn't it? Because this isn't a neutral situation, because stuff is coming at you all the time, if you don't pursue the word of God, actually you go backwards. It's not a neutral equation. And we've got to involve ourselves in this process of the renewing of our mind, of the changing the way we think. To, to, to the point where we begin to reap the, the, the product or the, the blessing of the finished works of Christ. The, the things that he's already provided. And to do that, I need to renew my mind by God's word. Here's the thing. When you find that you are not seeing what the disciples saw and what Jesus saw and what the word says is yours there is something about your thinking that needs to change. And the principal tool to change that thinking is the Word of God. So, first thing, if you're going to renew your your mind, the Word of God is the standard that you're aiming for. Second thing, the Word, the kingdom, the kingdom of God... Remember Jesus, when he was training his disciples... He, 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 a lot of the things he talked about was the way the kingdom works. A lot of his parables were about the way the kingdom works. Here's, here's the thing about church, and you might hear me say a lot about this in the coming six to nine months, maybe longer. Because, because of that move of God, because of that revolution of the, of the spiritual, I believe he's coming and has already started, I believe it's it's imperative that a ch- the church, as in the organisation, the body of Christ, faith life, because I can only do it for faith life, sees itself slightly differently. That it sees itself as an equipping and training centre for you to do the business outside yeah. these walls. So we are, you know, the church is not a... a a bless me club that we attend to be part of in order to get a buzz. The church, and I believe this is kind of why we find ourselves where we do in this nation, the church has failed to train believers in order to do the business. And so we want to train and invest in doing that. And that's partly what this 40 days is about, but it's also about a lot we've been doing and we're going to carry on doing when Jesus used this word, um, again, I'm not on there, Jesus used this word disciples, and, and we say, yeah, we need more discipleship. So that, what I've just said might have translated it in your mind as, we need more discipleship. And the minute you use this word discipleship, because of how we've done discipleship, that translates to five or six people sat in a room doing a Bible study. That could be an element of discipleship, but is a very small element of discipleship. When Jesus used the word discipleship, he wasn't teaching them information from a book. He was showing them how to do things, training them to do things, and then telling them to go and have a go, which they did with varying degrees of success. And so when we use the word discipleship, we want to use it in the same way as Jesus did, which is training people to work in kingdom ways. Training people to work in kingdom ways. And so that's what it's about. Now, one of the principles that Jesus teaches the disciples over and over again is that the kingdom works by agreement. The kingdom works by agreement. What do I mean by that? Didn't he, he said this, how can two or three walk together unless they're in agreement? And where, where two or three are gathered uh, together in my name, and there I am with them. And, and he has this idea of, of agreement with the kingdom and unity around kingdom thinking and kingdom principles, the ways of the spirit. You see, here's the problem. Sometimes we're expecting God to do things in our life and we aren't even in agreement with him. Because we're expecting him to do it a different way than he did it in his word. As in, pleading with him to do something he's already done. That would be one way of looking at it. Or, or trying to do things that don't work according to the kingdom. See, Jesus says, uh, well, Jesus introduces principle in, in Luke, but you know, put, about putting the kingdom first and, and being generous and giving, full, and, and that you would receive back, full measure, pressed down, running over, etc., And Paul puts it like this. It's a a kingdom principle of reaping and sowing. And the kingdom principle of reaping and sowing is that whatever you sow, that shall you also reap. That's Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. And here's the point. We want to reap without doing it the kingdom way. Of putting the kingdom first in our life. And so that's why we get very confused around the whole, whole idea of giving. Because somehow we've seen it like a divine slot machine where we put some money in and we get some back. And when it doesn't work for us, but it seems to be prospering the pastor or it seems to be prospering somebody who we don't think p- should particularly prosper by, we have a complaint and we give up. And we fail to reap because we don't come into agreement with the kingdom ways. And the kingdom ways is seeking first the kingdom of heaven. You're blessed to be a blesser. It's the kingdom first in our thinking. And the kingdom first in our thinking will always produce a generous heart that we'll give, and that will produce the blessings coming to us. But you can't short-circuit it and go, if I put a pound in here, I'll get 10 back next week, because that's what he said. And he's sending me a prayer cloth to make it work as well. It doesn't work like that. You're not coming into agreement with the kingdom. Here's the thing about the kingdom. The kingdom works by faith. It works by belief. And belief is a heart issue, not a rule issue. There aren't formulas. There's a heart position. And it will only work in that way. Are Are you still with me? Good. Okay, so kingdom works by agreement. So sometimes we don't you know, we, we, we want God to help us and we know God can help us and we, we, we hang around church and church says God's going to help us and and we listen to loads of people on the internet who say God's going to help us and yet he, he doesn't seem to be helping us. And here's the basic problem. We have no idea how he's meant to be helping us because we don't know what the word says about the thing that we're believing for. And so here's my, here's my first thing. When I, I'm looking to receive from God, the first thing I'm asking is, what is it that the word says about this? How does this work? What has the word to say about my situation? You know, these, all these bills are coming in. All these bills are piling up. What does the word say about that? What does the word say you do? Um, this, this way that I'm feeling what's going on inside of me, what does the word say about it? Um, this diagnosis that the doctor's given, what does the word say about it? And unless we know what the Word says about it, we can't come into agreement with the Word because we don't know. So we have to know the Word. Now, here's the point that I'm making, and this is why we do these 40-day things each year. This does not work by willy-nilly Bible reading and coming along on a Sunday morning and immediately forgetting what Pastor Mark or Roger or Oliver, whoever else is speaking, Connie, whoever else is speaking said. It doesn't work. That's why a lot of what we see in the body of Christ is not working. Because we are not coming into agreement with the word of God because we don't know enough of the word of God and we haven't let that word of God change us. So it gets to a heart level. The kingdom just does not work by, I'll pick it up as I go along, What you need to know when you're going through something is what does the word have to say about that and you need to know it right now. So you've got to learn to dig into the word and, and, and dig deep into it, search it, and pursue the specific answers you need. See, kind of one of the, the things that we have is we, we follow or we try and follow pre-programmed like Bible reading programs. I'm not saying that's wrong. I think that's great. Because that gives you a good foundation. It gives you an overview of what's in there and how it works. And then when I stand up on a Sunday morning, at least you can find the book in the Bible I'm talking about, which is great, isn't it? It's really helpful, particularly if you haven't put your contact lenses in and can't see the slides. It's really helpful to know where the book is. But it's also helpful because you should be checking out what I'm saying. If you're not checking out what I'm saying, this isn't going to work for you because you'll have forgot it. And things that you knew and forgot don't work because you need to know right now what you're standing on and what you're you're asking and believing God for. Because otherwise you're just going to end up approaching the things of the kingdom without kingdom principles. Here's a hard saying. This is a hard Pastor Mark saying, not a hard Jesus saying. He's got much worse ones than this. So, just think, we're getting off lightly. It's only a Mark hard saying this morning. Here's my hard saying If you aren't interested in or investing in God's word in your life, you will not reap its promises. Full stop. You won't. Why? Because you won't be able to think like God thinks. You won't have that transformation at the heart level. Here's point number three. So, first one was renewing your mind, you need God's word. Second one was that the kingdom works by agreement. Here's the third one. You have to learn to value what you want to reap from. You have to learn to value what you want to reap from. Let me put it in a different way, like because she's not here this morning, but let's say that I put no effort in with Cheryl for the next two years, and we, we didn't have any dates and we didn't really talk to each other. And basically, I came in, you know, came home from the church office and, and sat, sat in a chair in our kitchen, got a beer out of the fridge, put the footy on telly, and that was our entire lifestyle. And how, how good do you think our marriage would be? Like, honest? How, how good would it be? It'd be, it'd be rubbish, shouldn't it? Therein lies the problem of a lot of marriages, because we don't value what we want to reap from. And we end up saying really stupid things like, this isn't working for me. Well, actually, why is it not working for you? Because you're not valuing what you're trying to reap from. And we do that in all sorts of areas of our life, of of wanting to reap without valuing the things that we want to reap from. And, you know, we have to value the word of God. Here's another thing, you see, people don't give because they don't value the things of the kingdom. Here's another one that people don't spend time because they don't value what that would produce. So we try and rush through everything. And we have this incredible statement I have no time, I'm too busy. Time is not the problem. You have the same amount of time as everybody else on planet Earth at this moment. Time is not the problem. What you value has become the problem, because that's where you're putting your time. And, you know, if you, if you said this to, to, to the generations, the first few generations of the church, they'd have gone, well, that's just stupid, isn't it? You look at where we value and, and place our value in the body of Christ now, and you go, well, they're just not going to see what we saw, are they? Because they're not valuing the things of the kingdom. The things of the king can come down the list to sort out all the stuff that we couldn't get in our own life by all the effort we put into our own life. And God will plug the gap in case we're not enough. And then we come up with really stupid statements. When I've done this, when I've got that, when it's all settled, when it's all sorted, when I've got a nice mortgage paid off and I've got a nice house and I've got a family and they're all grown up and they're all this and they're all that and and now I'm 60. Now I can do something for God. Crazy thinking, but the way most of us run our lives. And when we ask God for a move of God in this land, it won't come without a radical change in his people. And, and that, that, that's what he's asking us to do. You see, I know what I was like before I encountered God and I had his word in my life. I know what my life has come at a couple of points where I've not really valued the word of God. This is, this is years ago. You know, Not while I've been a pastor, I just point that out. But I know that without valuing God's word, here's where I end up. I end up depressed. I end up overwhelmed. I end up struggling. I end up tired. I end up beaten down by life. And, and somehow, I find that I can't stop just stuff battering me. And it just keeps coming. And I realised a long time ago that when that sort of stuff starts rearing its head, that's a really good sign that I've got my values in the wrong place. Because I'd grown lazy and devalued the thing, the, the only thing that had the power to make any difference to what was happening. Now, I guess if, and I'm I'm not accusing anybody, but you know we we all come to church in different states. Some of us come like really excited on a Sunday. Some of us come the following Sunday, and we've had a bit of a row in the car on the way here. Or sometimes the railway crossing barrier never went up, and we we're we coming all flustered and late. And sometimes there's a mini marathon on, and we have to take a different route. And we all come into church in different states. And generally, the mums coming in in the worst state because they've had to cope with all their kids' issues getting them here as well. And so we, we, we all come in, and I guess if I took a, a snapshot of people walking through the door, we'd go, hi. How, how are things? Fine. <laughs> how, how's your week? Been? Great. And we said, I, you and he asked, he asked, I'm just doing a survey, i ask a question. How valuable do you think the word of God is? Oh, really valuable. Really valuable. Like, it's so important. It's so important, as believers in other words. Everyone in this room will give that answer or some variation on it, yeah? Here's how we tell whether we really think that. You see, you all know that's the right answer, don't you? You know that when you get brownie points for that, not real brownie points, like you don't get extra brownies on a Sunday. Well maybe we should do that. Maybe we should have star charts. We should yeah, let's have some star charts. But here's the thing, how can you tell, how can you tell something's really valuable? Well, you need to check out your investment. You see, I invest, you know, I learnt in business and, and through other things. I learned to invest in things that produced value and not to invest in things that went poo. And so if I want to know if something, if I'm really valuing something and regarding it as value, I have to look at my investment. Where's my investment of time? Where's my investment of effort? Where's my investment of money? Where's my investment of petrol? Just getting it down to a really basic level. And, you know, I, I, just, uh, I just applaud Jennifer and Maxine. I just like, I, I, I see you've got a bike now because it's a long way to walk, that. But it's just like, amazing. But I am not going to follow your lifestyle. I am going for the petrol approach. But where's my investment in petrol? Where, where does it go? Does it go to f- busying about everywhere, or does it go as a priority to get me to church? Where's my investment of my schedule? See, unless you schedule it, it'll never happen. Unless you put what's important to you first in your diary, it won't happen. Because this life and and the enemy that we have is a way of crowding it out. So we have to schedule it. And that might seem really mundane and really mechanistic and worldly, but it's actually just sense. God orders our days and then he trusts us to order order within our days to glorify him. To put the kingdom first. Remember, Jesus is teaching kingdom principles, and he's saying, seek first the kingdom of heaven and everything else follows. And if we're going, everything else isn't following, we have to go back and test the first part of that sentence. Am I really seeking first the kingdom of heaven? I'm not saying we're earning these things. I'm saying that something's happening at heart level that makes it difficult to believe for these things. Because the kingdom works in certain ways. And Jesus is trying to say, look, this is how it all works. If, if you plug into this, you'll find that I am more than enough for everything. If you don't learn to plug into this, you're really going to struggle, guys. And it's not going to work for you because this is how it works. It's a bit like, you know, getting a, I don't know, getting a new hairdryer, girls. You know, I'd, I'd like a new hairdryer, but it's pointless, isn't it? It's really like if I do that, it just unveils the bold patches. So I'd, I don't. I comb it forward and fluff it up a bit, and and it and it covers it. But but let let's say we've got more hair than that. We 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 buy a new hairdryer. And here's the thing: we we open the box and we assume we know how it works, and we plug it in and we press a few switches, and away we go. And we find that we just, we, we stand in front of the mirror and all of a sudden our hair's out here. Why? Because we didn't really know how it worked and we didn't pay attention to which fitting we needed and we didn't really realise we had it on suck instead of blow because we didn't read the instructions. It works one way and one way only and the kingdom works one way and one way only and you can't change it. Because it was sealed 2,000 years ago. as how it was going to work. Jesus explained it to us. And so we have to let the word of God transform our hearts until we start working in the way the kingdom works. We're not earning anything. We're just accessing it. We're learning to take the withdrawals from the account. Are you with me? Because I've nearly finished. The source of the power in your life is the word of God taken by the Holy Spirit in your heart and manifested out to others. The Holy Spirit cannot take the word if you don't know it. The word of God is the only way you are going to learn to prosper, minister healing, deliver people, be set free and see your life transformed the only way. There is no plan B. That's the thing about the kingdom. There's no alternative plans. That's why it's really simple. And so we need to realize that we need to invest our time in the right place. Can I have the worship team back, please? We need to, to understand where we're putting our time and engage where we're making that investment. What I want you to, um, I would urge you to do, I can't make anybody do this. All I can tell you is what God's word says and try and explain it. And to challenge you with it a bit. Um, You know, sometimes you can be too challenging. As in, some people don't like to be challenged at all. But without challenge, we fail to move on. And that's why a lot of believers get stuck for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years with no change in their lives, never seeing the things that God's word promises, and having no expectation of any, ever seeing them, but feeling like this isn't working for me. And the reason is they're not investing in the right place, they're not putting the kingdom of God first. And the only way we get past that is to let ourselves be challenged. So that's what I, why I do what I do. I let myself be challenged all the time. <laughs> when I look at God's word, I look at it, I go, I'm not seeing that all the time. I'm seeing it sometimes, but not all the time. So I need to, something's going on. What is it, God? How do we get through this? What do you need to show me? Where, do, where, where am I going to find that, that, that thing that's just going to flick that in my heart and suddenly I'll, I'll see things differently? And I, I've learned that the thing is that I've first of all got to offer up my life consistently all the time. I just offer up my life and say, God, whatever it is you want to do, you just show me. You just show me because I'm getting there, but I'm not there. So you show me. Let's stand.